0: It's time for episode 190 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May 24th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where it's time to get a new clock. Uh, that's the punchline of a joke. I don't know why I put that in there. Uh, I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined by my fantastic co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing, Micah?
1: I'm doing all right, Dan. Uh, I just got a new clock. Uh, I read, I read the little, yeah, I read the little line there and knew I needed to make that happen. So ready to go.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure it's an Apple clock. (laughs)
1: oh of course yeah
0: naturally (laughs) well this is the show where we talk about four tech topics with two wonderful guests to my left my very good friend and co-host from the rebound as well as a co-host of turning this car around mr john moltz is here hi john hi dan how are you i'm well thanks for being here good
1: good (laughs) And to my left is Shelley Brisbane, writer, editor, podcaster, uh, pretty much everything you could do on the internet extraordinaire. Hello, Shelley Brisbane, and welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Micah, and that's an awesome introduction for somebody I haven't had the pleasure of meeting before, so yay! We do, we
0: do, we do our research here. I know! Yes.
2: Thanks for helping him out with that one, Dan.
0: I, I did nothing, Micah. Micah's a self-starter. Everybody should know right. this. Hey, I'm a professional. Uh, <laughs> you are a professional. Well, let's get kick this off. I'm today's designated co-host, so I'll go first. I saw a news story that Ikea, which uh, announced a month or two ago that they'd be rolling out smart light bulbs uh, in their stores has also announced that these light bulbs will be home kit compatible. So my question with you is, is in, uh, by reaching out to a, um, a store that's more of like a home furnishing store than a technology store. Certainly does this have the possibility to expand the reach of smart home technology? Do you think there's like an upside to that in that direction? Are there potential pitfalls that you're worried about? What are your thoughts on that? John, I know you're a smart home tech aficionado, (laughs)
3: Yeah, this is a uh, frequent frequent topic of discussion on our podcast. Um, I am not <laughs> an aficionado of <laughs> Smart Home Tech and the other two guys on the podcast are. Um, and my problem is basically that I'm kind of waiting. I feel like... Um, I'm waiting for this. some of this stuff to sort of hash itself out. So, I mean, I think that IKEA getting into this kind of does increase interest because, um, you know, if you've ever been in, in an IKEA, there's a lot of people who flow through an IKEA. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people and, in an IKEA right now who can't figure out how to get out. Cannot get out. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's some people who have been stuck in there and monkeys uh, who have been <laughs> stuck in there for, um, you know, decades. But it, it increases interest. I mean, I think people start seeing this stuff, then they start um, learning more about it and maybe... You know, you start you start growing the market more, but my problem is that I want some more consolidation. I don't want to have like devices from twenty different vendors, and some of them work sometimes, and then some of the vendors go out of business, and then they don't support it anymore. And um, I feel like. The, that business kind of needs to be consolidated a little bit more. And I don't know if that means um, some of the big players who are who are doing the software side, um, you know, or the, the the device, like you know, your handheld device side, like Apple or Google buying up some of these companies and then selling the, the devices themselves as part of a bigger ecosystem, or just like some of the the companies that make the the light bulbs and, and the other things getting together and you know and buying each other so that there's more of a, a standard from that side. And And some of these, and some of them are just like likely to be around five years from now. So I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. And I don't know if that really, this really moves the needle on that yet.
1: Yeah, I think that's really well put. Um, I, I, one of the main things that I write about on the daily is home automation. So I could totally go on for four hours about this, (laughs) but uh, I know that's not what we do here on this podcast. So I promise I won't. Um, I am excited that IKEA is kind of uh, taking a step into offering its uh, smart home stuff to as wide a market as it can, because along with, of course, you know, being HomeKit enabled, it's also going to work with uh, Amazon's platform, et cetera, et cetera. And that's good because uh, one of the things that it could be a bit of a barrier to entry is how expensive uh, these home automation products are. And, to see that this is a super, super low-cost uh, bulb that you can buy. Um, they have like, I think it's like 12 bucks at the, at the lowest end, along with all of these other kind of sets of lights and lighting panels and doors for cabinets. Oh, they have some really interesting lighting technology um, that offers smart home uh, compatibility. So I think that it's certainly... Uh, going to open up the door for a few more people. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how much it does so. And, you know, one of the things to be worried about with, uh, with home kit or rather home automation stuff is that Sometimes when those prices are less and less <laughs> you're going to run into issues where it's not top quality stuff that ends up having issues with connecting or issues with staying connected over time and so I am a little bit uh, shaky on that we'll see I'm definitely going to be testing this out as soon as I can um, we're supposed to see that home kit compatibility come sometime in the uh, late summer or fall so we'll see.
2: I think pricing is going to be the thing that will get people in the door. And unfortunately, quality might get them out if they don't turn out to be good products. Because even with some of the higher priced products, I've had bad experiences with uh, with bulbs, even hue bulbs that have not behaved as advertised over time, whether it's the bulb itself or whether it's something involved with the, the entire ecosystem in my house. And uh, I can make it work because I'm tech savvy and interested in making it work. But a lot of people, if they have a bad experience, are unlikely to want to continue. And also, I I think that on the upside, uh, IKEA will and has uh, found ways to show people how in their specific uh, lifestyle in their home they can make this work. Because if I walk into a Best Buy, which is where I see these devices most often, and I see a bulb, I might not be thinking about how that fits into uh, my particular lifestyle. But IKEA is all about creating environments that make you think about how you can integrate the stuff you buy there into the way you live. And so it'll be interesting to see whether if beyond simply supporting all of the, the standards, the HomeKit and the Google Home and, and Echo uh, out there, that they're able to create uh, mini ecosystems that allow people who aren't tech folks to understand, hey, I can get this to do something really interesting in my life and, and also uh, get rid of some of the uh, barriers to installation and integration that some of us have experienced who have been early adopters.
0: Yeah, I think you guys all put it really well. There are upsides in terms of getting this in front of more people that are going to go to like a tech store. Uh, the downsides are it gets it in front of more people who may not be ready to deal with that kind of complexity. Uh, and I always wonder about non-tech companies building tech products like this. What is the deal with the reliability? Is it going to be something that is prone to, I mean, is Ikea going to be issuing software updates? That's going to be, it's going to be an interesting road there. I just want to know what size Allen wrench I need to install <laughs> these particular bulbs. <laughs> uh th- thanks for your thought on that one and let's move on to topic number two from john moltz so okay
3: so my topic is uh the verge had a very interesting piece on anchor which i don't know if you've bought any of their products but it's a company that um, sells peripherals like chargers and, and cables and that kind of thing and there, the way they became successful is this guy Stephen yang um, who was a google engineer um quit and started this company because he saw an opportunity to make uh, cheaper peripherals for uh, apple and google stuff And because, you know, (laughs) that's one of the ways, I guess, at least Apple (laughs) tries to make some of its money is by charging you a ridiculous amount for, uh, things like power adapters. So he started this company and, um, has done a really good job of making very, you know, good. I mean, he said his goal was to make them better than, than these companies. I don't know that he necessarily has accomplished that, but they're still very good. And they like completely destroy them at price and i've always had i've got a few of them and i've had very good experience with them uh i bought a a power adapter for my macbook pro and i got it back in december and it's it's great it's much more versatile than the one that comes from apple and it's like half the price so um I, i think this is a really great example of someone who just saw like a not like a like a monstrous opportunity like reinventing the smartphone or you know inventing dr- driverless cars or that kind of thing but someone who just saw like a nice market and, and a good opportunity and, and moved in and and uh, and made a really nice business for himself so I was wondering if you guys have other things that you see that you would uh, like someone to come in and sort of do a uh, a small, Uh, small d disruption on, and my my couple examples that I can think of that, and things that I'm frustrated with my daily life are um sort of software things that i have to log in uh to use and one is like for my mutual fund company which is their uh, their software has just always been terrible it seems like it was made in internet explorer back in the 1990s and then the other one that's similar is uh the software at my kid's school which is just completely inscrutable and one of those you could probably make money off of and the other one you probably couldn't make any money <laughs> off of but um i wish somebody would come in and make better software for both of those those two uh Uh, lines um so i was wondering if you guys had examples like that of where you would hope somebody could come in and like just not like do a complete revolution but just some makes make something simple better
1: Yeah. So uh, I think one of the questions, you know, I I definitely do use Anchor products and I think that they do a very good job. In fact, I have like a four wall charger. It's just different USBs and it's got all the special uh, power rerouting stuff to where gadgets that can take more power in can and the ones that take less in, take less in, yada, yada, yada. Really good stuff. And I think as we've kind of touched on here, the big thing is that the price is unbeatable and the quality at that price is unbeatable because you can buy an Apple cord for your iPhone and you give it to someone who doesn't take as much care of gadgets as i do like my partner for example <laughs> and he will have that thing you know destroyed in a week where the the cord is just completely ripped in half and it doesn't work anymore but the anchor stuff at least it seems to last a little longer and it costs less so they're great gifts for people who don't have that pristine quality for their uh or pristine care rather for their tech <laughs> But um, in terms of other disruptions that I'd like to see, it's actually a disruption that I have seen and that I am super, super happy with. And... Uh, That's with pharmaceuticals, and there's a company that I use called PillPack, and I absolutely adore this company and that they've come in and done this. So um, I take there's a medicine that I take every day that I have to take, and then also I like to take different vitamins every day. And typically, what that would mean is going to the pharmacy and getting the medicine that I take every day, and then also you know hopping away from the pharmacy desk and looking and finding bottles of vitamins. And then getting those and trying to keep track of what I'm supposed to be taking every day. Well, what PillPack does is it takes your medicine and it puts it into these little uh, biodegradable packs and it tells you like what date you're supposed to take it on and they ship it to you in a roll. And so you just, it, they're little perforated packs. You rip one off, it's got the medicine that you need for that day at whatever time, open it up, take your medicine, and then you move on. And there's just a roll of two weeks uh, that you can go through. And so you always know like what you're supposed to. Take and win.
2: I like Anchor products a lot. I never, I, I love the Verge article. By the way, I thought it was a really good, detailed explanation of how and why that company works. I had never really thought of them as uh, something separate from other com- companies that are are doing sim- similar things. I've got a, a couple of Anchor batteries. I think I have a Jackery battery. So it was interesting to see Anchor called out specifically for having done something innovative. And it, it actually makes me think I probably should investigate their products more specifically because I bought what I have based on recommendation from friends in the tech world who said, yeah, these batteries are great and they're inexpensive and they've proven to be so. As far as disruption, I guess similar to uh, to John's idea, uh, mine is the, uh, the bugaboo of a personal finance software. Why can't anybody make decent personal finance software that does all the things one wants it to do, whether you have to be a modular? A lot of people don't need or want... Uh, online investment tracking, a lot of us do. And uh, some of that stuff exists, but none of the applications or web-based tools that I've ever used have done everything I've wanted. They've always been in some way terrible. And uh, so if somebody could just find a way to make a nice cross-platform version of that so that I could share that with my Windows or Linux using partner, that would be swell. So get on that.
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't have much in the way of anchor I do have one um, particular little power plug which I think is very similar to what Mike described where it's you know multiple USB ports and it plugs in and it's smart about what devices can take one power it's really nicely made it's very small it's replaced a lot of my like carrying a bunch of different power uh, adapters which is really nice Uh, as far as disruption area goes. Uh I still keep getting paper mail and I'd really like that to stop so if somebody can feel, <laughs> figure out a way to disrupt that or that set or like do, can, you know create a single device where like I get those credit card offers and it just automatically like shreds and separates whatever's in there that's awesome too.
3: <laughs> these are these are all great answers and the, I think I'm seeing another area for disruption here where where somebody takes all of your junk mail before it gets to your house and bundles it up into a pack and then you can just <laughs> then you can just stick the whole pack in the shredder yeah. yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm glad that we've uh, really simplified people's lives here. This is uh, it's two topics down. It's halftime. Today's halftime sponsor is our good friends at Linode. Linode gives you fast, powerful hosting for your projects that you can set up in just seconds. They have easy-to-understand tools that let you choose your resources and Linux distribution, giving you the power and flexibility you need. And Linode plans now just start at $5 a month for a Linux server with a gigabyte of RAM, in the Linode cloud. Now, what sets Linode apart from a lot of those competitors? Well, Linode has 400,000 customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can reach them in a variety of ways. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community if you like. If you need help, Linode's there for you. They have comprehensive guide and support documentation to teach you everything you need to know for setting up and managing your virtual servers. I've used a bunch of their guides to set up stuff on my server, everything from like uh, SSL all the way to uh, WordPress. So, like it's basically pretty much anything you need to set up there's a guide for it linode's control panel is nicely designed with a focus on ease and simplicity it allows you to deploy boot resize and clone in just a few clicks they have two-factor authentication to keep your account safe and you can create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication that makes lino the full package for your server infrastructure needs They've got the power you require, as well as the infrastructure and assistance that you want. And as I mentioned up top, Linode has some awesome pricing options available. You can get that one gigabyte of RAM server for just $5 a month. If you need something on the other end, you can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for only $60 a month. Across the board, Linode is offering twice the amount of RAM you'll get elsewhere. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us... But you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven day money back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code clockwise2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime's over. Let's kick it over to Micah for topic number three.
1: All right. I am curious if you use an Android or iOS device day to day. And what is something on the other platform if you're an iOS user? What's something on Android that, you know, you wish was available on iOS or vice versa? Shelly?
2: I am an iOS user. I thought that was the minimum requirement for being on the show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I do have a couple of Android tablets that live in my living room, primarily as consumption devices. And I, uh, oddly uh some of the uh, visual aspects of the i of the android device i I like because there are in fact a few uh, Android platforms Samsung specifically that give you the ability to uh, do some font customization in uh in in what you're viewing on the android and uh, android device, and I find that useful. there are also some default fonts that are that are terrible, so I appreciate having those options. Um, So I guess, um, and there are a few apps that are available on both platforms for and for reasons that I'm not entirely certain. uh, The implementation, the visual implementation on the Android seems to be a tiny bit better, specifically XBMC controllers and other uh, media devices that I tend to use. So I I guess that's where I would come down, but I'm still going to stick with the iPhone.
0: Naturally, I'm also an iOS user, and it's been many years since I used an Android device really at all, but one of the things that I think still stands out for me for Android is just the customization options, especially when it comes to, like, your home screen. Apple's opened this up a little bit by adding the widgets and sort of the notification center area, Uh, but I really do wish sometimes I could have more than just apps on my home screen. I could pin some information there and have a little widget telling me about weather or telling me about my upcoming appointments, because I just don't like having to swipe over and find that stuff. I find it a little cumbersome at times. So the overall customization options, I know that's not really Apple's jam, but uh, it's something I feel like I would appreciate uh well just to round out the group i am also an (laughs) ios user (laughs) hi
3: yes hi i'm john i am an ios user um i do have a nexus 7 that i bought when that came out and i have um upgraded now into oblivion i forget what the last upgrade i put on it was but it uh, basically slowed it down to the point where it's it's (laughs) almost unusable uh It still functions, but it does not function well. Uh, And as far as, I mean, as far as things that I would want on the other plat from the other platform, I think price is probably the most obvious one. It would be nice to be able to get serviceable devices that are, uh, you know, have an option of getting serviceable serviceable devices that are cheaper. Uh, I know my son. uh, One thing he is a longtime Minecraft user, and one of the things that he's always wanted from uh android is the fact that yeah, on the ios side you can't install mods like you can on uh on the pc uh, version but you can do that on android because they can do those funky things that you can't do on ios because everything is so strictly sandboxed um but for me yeah, i think i would probably just like to be able to pay a little bit less for for getting things <laughs>
1: yeah uh, I think all good answers I also am an iOS user primarily but have uh, played with Android on and off and you know I really hate to agree with Dan on anything at all <laughs> but, but I, I have to agree with Dan the thing that I love the most about Android's operating system is the customization and specifically home screen customization the fact that I can have like open blank spaces and have a calendar widget right there on the screen is really nice and I would love to see some of that come to ios
0: all right that's three topics down our last topic comes from shelly
2: so these days my day job is as a web editor at a statewide public radio daily news show and uh, i like to pitch tech topics because it confuses people because that's not what we normally do uh but i i I actually want people who don't follow tech news on the regular to have the opportunity to learn something about technology and so i'm asking you gentlemen to join me at my pitch meeting and uh (laughs) Help me come up with some uh, tech topics that you think people who don't follow tech news uh, could learn from and, and gain a better understanding of and, and also probably stay awake for.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that last one, you really threw me for a curveball there. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. Oops, there is mine. Uh, <laughs> because I, my top one's going to be passwords. It's got to be passwords. And and I don't like passwords any more than most people do, but they're what we have. And good password hygiene is so, so so important as we've seen from all these continuing hacks um, it really is just critical to have you know strong passcodes and I know it's a pain um, but you know there are certainly things that can ease that like one password or other password managers even just the keychain uh, my mom refuses to use the keychain on her Mac I don't understand it all like it makes your life so much easier um, so yeah good password hygiene making strong passwords why it's important that you make strong passwords uh, and and maybe there's a cartoon character or something so people won't fall asleep
3: (laughs) an adorable dog perhaps
0: yes there you
3: go mcgruff the password dog (laughs) um i um i always love stories i don't know how much people would learn from this but i love stories about people continuing to use old technology i think you can learn something in in terms of people who don't who weren't into technology like 10 20 years ago and maybe they would learn something about stuff that was back from that period um but i love these stories about people who use old old technology and um myself i try and do it because i still you know i have a lot of old devices lying around as dan can probably tell you and one of the things that happened to me recently is like i had a scanner that um i've had for years and one of the problems that you run into is as these things progress a lot of the, the vendors of peripherals will just say, you know, oh, you got a new operating system. Sorry, we don't support that operating system anymore because we got tired of writing the drivers for these old scanners. And, you know, why don't you just buy a new one? And it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with this scanner. And I scan things so infrequently, I'm not going to run out and spend um, a bunch of money on a new scanner. So I just took an old laptop. I mean, it's a PowerPC um, uh, PowerBook, and um, it's got. Uh, leopard on it. And I just, I went back cause I spent a bunch of time trying to get the scanner to work on my new, my new device. And it just, I just was struggling with it so much and there's a way to do it. And, but I finally just decided, you know what, this all used to work fine like 15 years ago. And so I actually just went back to the, basically the same setup that I had then. And it works fine for the few times that I need to scan. I just pop open the, the power book and away I go. So, um, and I know other people who, who do stuff like this. Um, there's a, there's a, <laughs> a guy in Canada named Grant Hutchison, who is famous for, um, you know, his, his day-to-day machine. I think he still runs Snow Leopard because he considers that like <laughs> one of the, one of the the last best, uh, operating systems that Apple, <laughs> Apple put out. So, uh, there are people out there doing crazy stuff with old technology and I think it's kind of cool.
1: Uh, for me I would have to say uh, there was recently a story about how there were uh, there was a company in Dublin that was spying on all of the people in Dublin using a camera that would uh, it wasn't facial recognition but it was facial tracking and uh, like th- telling what if someone was smiling at an ad, how long they were lingering on an advertisement, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that uh, in our modern world, people, normal people, <laughs> and by normal people, I mean, everyday people who aren't as steeped in technology as us, they don't understand the value of their privacy and don't understand just how much companies will a pay for their personal private data, and how much we uh, don't value it ourselves and how important it is that we We do start to value it. And I think if there was some way to kind of tell some stories about what we kind of give up and, and the, the, uh, the, behind the scenes, look at what a free app actually is, and how whenever you have a free app, you're probably ending up giving up something in return. And it's usually your data and your information. And it usually means that a company is tracking you and monetizing your activity in some way. There's a lot there that, uh, as I call them norms don't know about. And even some of us who are more steeped in technology don't know about. And yeah, the value of privacy so important.
2: I think, Micah, that's probably the one that my uh, managing editor would, would wake up for most quickly. So thank you for that. Um, and I should also plug the radio show, which is Texas Standard on all public radio stations in Texas. Uh, my selection is net neutrality, which sounds like an old uh, warhorse. But my <laughs> issue with the way net, net neutrality is covered in the tech world is that we're all fairly smug. We all think net neutrality is a good idea. There may be different uh, manifestations of how... Uh, we believe the government should affect it or how companies should be forced to uh, deal with regulation. But there is this sort of assumption, net neutrality good, not net neutrality bad. And what that means is there's a lack of specificity about not only what it means, uh, but what the potential consequences are, uh, not not just from a business perspective, but from a user perspective. And uh, people always talk about things like throttling and about uh, prioritizing content of one kind over another kind, but rarely do they explain uh, what the motivation a company might have for doing that and and how circumstances might arise that would cause them to be more or less likely to do it. And there's actually a really good article in Slate a couple days ago uh, from a somewhat mainstream perspective. Uh, that covered some of this stuff as well as some of the political back and forth about net neutrality since we've had a change in administration and FCC chair. Um, whether you agree with what the new FCC chair is doing about net neutrality, uh, this article did a fairly good job of explaining what his position is, and I think that's something that uh, a lot of us in tech miss when we talk about net neutrality because we assume that uh, we are the good guys and that the other guys are the bad guys. So uh, that was, that's, the, that's the topic I'll be sending up for my next pitch meeting.
0: Cool. Thanks for that, Shelly. I think we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. The bonus topic today brought to you by Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service that has the freshest ingredients. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone while supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients and building a community of home chefs. Blue Apron's seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Their beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and their produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. Each Blue Apron meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. I've made a bunch of them. They're delicious. They've really expanded my cooking horizons, and I appreciate that. Uh, You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or let Blue Apron's culinary, 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 say it however you want. (laughs) Team, surprise you. Uh, no recipes are repeated within a year, and you'll be able to cook meals like beef teriyaki stir-fry with sugar snap peas and lime rice, baked spinach and egg flak bread with sauteed asparagus and lemon aioli, three cheese and baby broccoli stromboli with tomato and oregano dipping mm. sauce, crispy salmon and roast potato salad with pickled mustard seeds and creme fraiche sauce. Mm, that all sounds good. Good thing lunch is coming up next. Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. There's no weekly commitment, so that you only get deliveries when you want them, and their freshness guarantee means that every ingredient arrives ready to Cook or they'll make it right. Check out this week's menu and get three meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com slash clockwise. You'll love how good it feels and tastes and create incredible home cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Visit blueapron.com slash clockwise, and we thank Blue Apron for their support of this show and Relay FM Blue Apron, a better way to cook now panel bonus question it's rainy for a lot of us at various times umbrella or raincoat or both john this is the pacific northwest dan
3: um it rains a lot here yeah so uh at most you you wear a raincoat and um sometimes you don't even bother wearing the raincoat you just wear what you're going to wear anyway and you get a little wet and that's fine
1: if i can help it i won't I I love to be in the rain. The rain is my favorite. So I would rather not have an umbrella or a raincoat. But I know if I'm like wearing something nice, or I really need to not look like I just came out of the rain, then I will go for an umbrella. But as much as I can help it, I love to sing and dance in the rain.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Umbrellas have technical issues. I recognize that, (laughs) but they are relatively inexpensive and I can keep them in multiple places should I need them. There's one in my desk drawer. There's one in the family car. So umbrella is my choice.
0: Yeah, guys, you use both an umbrella and a raincoat. Come on. It's like a belt and <laughs> suspenders, please. <laughs> All right, that's it. Let's uh, thank our fantastic guest for being here this week. John Moltz, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Dan.
1: And Shelly Brisbane, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, Micah, that wraps up another one. So uh, I, I think we'll be back next week. What do you say? I hope so. All right, great. <laughs> Until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep
1: watching the clock.